Crock Elite, a podcast about no effects. We're back for another one. Punk Rock Elite podcast with me, Eddie French. And me, Red Redmond. Yes. Today, you'll notice, uh, as you walked in, uh, we were very busy looking into microscopes uh, Mm -hmm. while wearing long white coats and occasionally tapping a test tube. Yes, we were. Why were we doing that? Because we are doing science today. We are doing experiment. Yes, I knew that. Doing big experiment for all the no effects science. Uh, and, and it's a very special experiment because it's yeah. one that we've chatted about previously. Yeah. We're kind of answering a question that we've been asking all of our guests. How do you get someone who's never heard no effects into no effects? And we didn't think we would find the perfect candidate because we thought, well, if someone's into punk rock, they're going to have encountered no effects, mm-hmm. aren't they? But we forgot that we're quite old. <laughs> and that that is true for people who are our age and older. Yeah. But not for people who um, uh, who are in neck deep and they are doing the key, whatever those songs, you know, that the, <laughs> the children who like the young I mean, I think Sum 41's All Killer No Filler was one of the first albums I ever bought. But it may, Yeah, actually, yeah. No, you are younger than me. Um, uh, yes, they, yeah. Sum 41 must have come out when I was about 16, 17, 18, something like yeah, that. Yeah, start of the millennium sort of oh, thing. Oh, and yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, two round, yeah, sort of, yeah. Because I think Blink-182 were 99 when they did like all the small things and stuff. So mm-hmm, yeah. that was, uh, and then, yeah, Sum 41 rode the wave um as well but then after that came loads of other stuff that that um passed me blissfully by yeah um, our, our guest is very much sort of like the slam dunk school of punk rock you know like he's into your neck deeps as you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, the, the story so far things like yes. that yeah, lots of stuff where I go, well, those names all sound silly. I'm going to listen to sensible bands like No FX. <laughs> you know, it's um, so it's it's just a, a generational thing. It's horrible to feel like you're one of those 77 bores. Mm. Um, but that's just what happens when you exist for long enough. You will become what you hate. So I imagine that there are newer bands who sail under the pop punk or you know skate punk flag that our guest Liam Walton would also go yeah but come on the I like to kick it old school with um <laughs> this yeah story so far and and uh and all this kind of stuff like I like a bit of old school you know a bit of bit of older stuff like yellow card or something like that but <laughs> yeah, uh, dashboard confessional that yeah, old yeah, retro yeah. some of those some of those old dinosaurs I've got in my uh, some of my classic <laughs> rock collection, you know. Um, so yeah, so it is Liam Walton, uh, your uh, your colleague from the Lead Mill. Yes, uh, great DJ, great yes. uh, promoter, um, runs his own brand of club nights, uh, punk mm-hmm. and emo club nights. Yes, wrong crowd, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he's a very busy boy. Yes, but he did take a couple of hours out to have a chat with us because what we did 
was we with uh, we enlisted the help of the internet, which is always a mistake, to create a list of ten no effects songs, which Red compiled into a playlist, <clears throat> and that he listened to for. He listened to them for a day solid, didn't he, as far as I remember? Yeah, on repeat. So it was nice yeah. and fresh, but he'd heard them enough times to, mm. to to really like like know them and be able to discuss them. Oh, and that definitely happens. Don't, oh, yeah. Uh, don't think for a moment we uh, we skip over any of these. So, Will, don't worry about all of the uh, details. We cover all of that in the main body of the episode. Um, but how have you been, Red? What have you been up to? I've been very well, time. thank you. Uh, yeah, all good. We, I'm like uh, in the middle of a, a run of, we've got six shows over six days at the Leadmill, all comedy Whoa. shows. Um, so it's the last one tonight with Paul Foot. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to seeing Paul again. I haven't mm. seen Paul's tour show in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, great comedian. I think we've seen him together at the Edinburgh Fringe a couple of times. At least once, yes. Mm-hmm. At least once, yes. Um, I think uh, I think he was asking for questions for Penny. If anyone's familiar with Paul Foots, they'll yeah. know that that is not how that line is delivered. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, no, that's great. Yeah, Paul Foot, bit of a bit of an alt legend, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back when alternative comedy was this sort of like strange fringe thing, rather than the the award-winning genre that it currently is i mean yeah all i think that if anyone is on stage doing really weird stuff in the uk scene then they do owe they do owe um a little nod to the to one of the people uh paul was one of the people who really had their shoulder to the door to bust it open not the only one but certainly an important figure within that he's like uh charlie chuck for millennials yeah <laughs> which is which is really funny because um you know i i don't know that he uh i, I mean he's he's quite he's quite an old soul isn't he even yeah. for his own generation he's sort of oh yeah i don't think he really listens to any music after that was made after about 19 19- 26 um <laughs> so you know um but all, all all the more interesting and intriguing for it uh very uh yeah a singular act mm, yeah, um, yeah one definitely worth looking one of those acts where i say oh you should definitely give him a go i cannot guarantee you will like it <laughs> but you'll definitely feel like you've seen something that you wouldn't have otherwise and I yeah. think that is that is a, a very important thing to do from time to time what about y- y- yourself what have you been up to Oh gosh, not a not a huge amount. Um, I uh, I've been uh, been doing been doing the gigging thing. I've um, I've had a little breakthrough in uh, in my in my show uh, in the writing process still, but uh, mm-hmm. certainly uh, the I don't know anyone who has sort of a single major breakthrough and everything comes clear after that. It's basically a series of very small breakthroughs until you have something uh, worth doing. So that's very, very exciting for me. Um, and, um, and I, and I was, uh, my, I was uh, given the brand newly published um, collection of Terry Pratchett short stories that were only mm. published in newspapers in the uh, 60s, 70s and 80s. 
Cool. Uh, because when Terry Pratchett, an author uh, I adore, uh, died, he said that um, none of his unpublished work, like unfinished unpublished work, could be published and had his hard drive steamrolled in front of uh, some members of the press. That was one of his uh, last will and testament stipulations. However, <laughs> some of his uh, friends and colleagues uh, realized that that meant that anything he'd published in a serialization in the newspaper had previously been published and therefore you could publish it and it's a guy i know actually called pat harkin uh, he lives in leeds he's a retired uh, pathologist who was friends with terry pratchett and his wife spent months at the british library in boston spa going through old copies of the newspapers that terry pratchett wrote for and they found a series of stories he wrote under a pen name um, because he, they recognised a location, uh, the Johnny Maxwell <laughs> books, Johnny and the Bomb, Johnny and the Dead, Only You Can Save Mankind, are set in uh, Blackbury, oh, yeah. uh, which is not Blackberry, but Bury as in the place outside Manchester, B-U-R-Y, Blackbury. And Pat was reading through these and he noticed someone called Patrick Kearns had written this thing, something in Blackbury. And he went, that sounds familiar. And then they got it confirmed from someone who worked with him that, yep, he used the name Patrick Kearns to publish. So they found a whole load of other stuff that would have just gone possibly unknown forever. So That's so interesting. Yeah. So we watched a, a live stream uh, from the British Library in London of an interview with uh, Pat and Jan. And there was a, a journalist there as well. I forget her name, sadly, but she was uh, interesting. And John Colshaw, the impressionist who's just read... Uh, the audio books for the watch series. Uh, he did some readings from it as well. And so uh, my girlfriend got me that book, all surprised, which uh, was Aww. very, very pleasing. So that's mainly what I'm looking forward to. But uh, I'm, I'm actually largely looking forward to this episode because I think it's very, very interesting to go into this thing. We tried it out. I mean, when we had uh, Danny Barrett on... Uh-huh. Uh he tried this with his uh with I think his wife. Yes, with his wife. Um mm-hmm. and uh and he got her interested by showing her backstage passport and sort of investing getting invested in the members of the band clever, yeah. As yeah. sort of characters to develop a parasocial relationship and therefore when you listen to their music you're already kind of invested Mm -hmm. now i think that would work for sort of in an indoctrination way (laughs) you know what i mean there's sort of a bit of uh like i say the parasocial thing whereas if you just put on the record and went well it's very fast and noisy and that guy doesn't sound like he can sing that's different if you go so is that the is that the is that the drug one singing oh i like him what about what does the what does the dreadlock one do so (laughs) But you know, if you it, but given how much Danny loves uh, No Effects, I'm guessing that it's probably nicer now that he lives in a household where No Effects is a bit more globally accepted. Or, yeah, household wise. And I mean, so, I mean, and play along at home as well. Like, yeah. if you think you can write down ten songs of No Effects to to pass to someone who'd never heard them, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder than you think. And I mean, we go into it in the episode, but like. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, it, it's really tricky. And we and throughout the episode, we keep being like, oh, we should have added this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, I mean, we, we if we wanted, I mean, 20 songs would still be going, oh, man, yeah. we're, not, we're not including that one. Let's. I mean, I think we do mention it, but let's put it this way. On the first lists that Red and I made, we, we did five songs each, mm-hmm. and neither of us picked Linoleum. Yeah, possibly assuming the other one would do it for us, so we'd get like a free extra one. But <laughs> doesn't even bear thinking about. Um, so yeah, so five of them we do go into more detail, but five of them were picked by the internet, and the other mm-hmm. five were agreed upon by Red and myself. Yep, and um, not all of them were were received. Actually, no, that's not true. All of them were enjoyed, but uh, yeah. wildly different levels of enjoyment. Yes, very much so, yeah. So it went from like uh, it, it went from neither agree nor disagree all the way through to strongly agree, but at no <laughs> point was there disagree or strongly disagree. So I suppose that's uh, yeah, that's the thing. And I think um, it's nice to sort of that there is an unfortunate sort of um ah yes there's i'm just placing a guiding hand on the tiller of punk rock as you as you enjoy <laughs> this little piece of the puzzle that you were missing my boy now go go and enjoy the punk rock i have to, yes, but you know it, it it's not like we didn't think that he'd enjoy no effects at all because everything he listens to or a lot of the stuff that he listens to punk wise owes something of a debt to no effects and many many other bands but no effects are definitely part of that thing and he's like oh yeah i I think at one point he talks about how he can imagine blink doing this particular song or something like that and yeah and it's like yeah yeah no that's um that's how it goes so yeah pleased with this one um so listen uh, nice and closely, get cosy, enjoy yourself while we hear Liam Walton have a chat with us uh, during the Great No Effects experiment. See <laughs> you on the outro. And so the Great No Effects experiment begins. Red and I are delighted to be joined by Liam Walton. Liam, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you guys? Great, yeah. thank you. Yes, excited yeah, yeah, about this. It's a little out of the ordinary, but this was uh, this was Red's idea. And uh, well, I actually, I think it was Liam's idea, to be fair. Oh, but even, well, there we go. It was, all I know is I didn't think of it, and it's an <laughs> excellent, excellent idea. Uh, so well done, everyone who came up with it. Liam, um, to, to begin with, uh, we'll uh, introduce yourself a bit. I know uh, you, you know Red because you both work at the same place. Yeah, uh, the Lead Mill in Sheffield. Uh, you DJ there on um, on the, the punk nights and stuff, but... Uh, mm. Let us know your uh, your secret origin. How'd you get into punk rock? How'd you get into doing what you were doing, please? Okay, so it's it's all been a bit of a weird journey into getting towards what I do. So pre- my primary job now is just like kind of alternative DJ. I do lots of kind of pop punk, more sort of like emo-y nights kind of across the across the country and all that sort of thing. But um, I gradually got into that from, you know, I think the same way quite a lot of people got into it through the pop punk stuff. You know, that was mm-hmm. my kind of like entry into it i was a big uh sort of like fringe down to here uh (laughs) when i was growing up you know and it was sort of like the emo stuff came first and then you know but sort of those sort of heavier sort of more shouty bands came in and there was that sort of click that was more for me like oh no i love this this is Mm. this is for me 
Um, so yeah, through that kind of gravitated towards working in music. So for like five years before I ended up working with Red at the Lead Mill, I worked doing security, um, which was an interesting role. Uh, I got to see loads of shows for free, which was like the massive uh, selling point. But I kind of got sick of fighting with people because it's not really <laughs> good fun at all. Um, so yeah, for you know, I um, I don't really want any more of this, but I'd like to carry on working with music. I applied for the job at the Lead Mill in Sheffield, which is where I met Red and um, worked there full time until really recently. Um, I now sort of still do some work with the Lead Mill on the sides, but yeah, great place and um, really fun place to work and. They basically handed me a DJ career, to be completely honest. Like, wow. uh, I have them to thank for everything. They sort of just gave uh, me and uh, another one of the lads that we work with an opportunity. They did an event. It's like a silent disco that they do. Right. So it has three channels of music. One of them is indie, which is Lead Mill's kind of bread and butter, I guess. Mm-hmm. The other one is chart, and then there was like a rock channel. Um and I think the people that were doing that previously were okay, but, you know, in Sheffield in particular, there was a bit of a problem where people were just playing the same kind of stale playlist and it, it really got pretty stagnant. So they were kind of looking to bring someone new in. They, they brought us in and then I guess the rest was, um, the rest is history, as they say. Uh, we've, I've been doing it ever since and it's, uh, it's good fun. That's great. And so so the, the, uh, the silent disco thing, um, that I don't know if it causes the same acid reflux in you, Red, as it does in me. But um, as far as people who, inject, you know, in a club or or whatever setting, I've seen them at festivals. My sister introduced me to the idea of them because she there was a, a tent at the Leeds Festival one year where there was a silent disco going on, and she was like, "It's brilliant! It's the best thing ever." Um, <laughs> but the m- most I've interacted with them has been uh, on the streets of Edinburgh during the Fringe. And mm-hmm. that's when it is just a cunt parade, <laughs> just <laughs> barging pell-mell through the already packed streets to then <laughs> fucking stand in front of a place of interest and sing Dancing Queen out of tune together. It's just... <laughs> and what I'm saying I mean, is... Yeah. It's not very different in the club. More friendly people, I'd like to hope. But uh, yeah. But, however, in the club, that is an appropriate place to sing loudly, <laughs> badly and dance. That's... But I it, quite I quite like a silent disco because you can order at the bar without having to raise your voice. Yeah. No, 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 no. Look, uh, the silent disco itself is an entirely neutral invention. I'm just saying some <laughs> people have used it for ill. Yeah, uh, fair. <laughs> and so, uh, so no. And my 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 sister even had a silent disco at her wedding to get around the wildly prohibitive um, noise uh, policy of the venue. She's like, <laughs> okay, then fine. In that case, you're just going to have. A hundred odd people singing Mr. Brightside with no music whatsoever to the outside <laughs> listeners. And um, it's pretty funny. So, it's yeah. funny because that actually ends up being louder. Like, yeah. it, it, I think like mm. the decibels that when you look at the little reader that they've got in the room, the mm. silent disco nights, it's going way beyond what it would be if you were just um, playing music without all the sing-alongs. <laughs> I think it's that judgment. People feel like they haven't got that judgment, so they really kind of mm. give it a... Yeah. But, I'd, I'd often suspected that that's it, but you've confirmed that for me. I did wonder if that was that that would encourage a louder participation from the audience. Oh, oh yeah, you hear it all, and, and and you hear it three different ways, right? So it's a yeah, sure. show. So, so you've got you've got I don't know, for example, teenagers by Michael Walker Romance playing on my <laughs> channel. You've got Dancing Queen on the other one. <laughs> 
the Fratelli's on the other one, and it's kind of a big <laughs> mishmash of kind of. <laughs> oh, but yeah, good fun. That, it's an interesting that, thing. That sort of shit they play to people in Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's inhuman. Mm. I keep my headphones on for the majority of it. Yes. Yeah. Pop you them off to right. hear people singing, but I'll, I'll keep my tunes on for this. For you sure. do right. That's uh, that's brilliant. So, um, so that so you've been uh, doing all that stuff. So you um, do, do you just DJ under your own name? Yeah, it's just Liam Walton. I'm not okay. kind of inventive enough to come up with anything <laughs> a bit more exciting. You know what you could do? Because I, I was I've been thinking about this recently. Your DJ name should be Liam Wrong, as in Wrong Crowd. I've considered this, you know. It's got the W, and I think, Mm. I don't know, I I could see that on, you know, like, lineups and stuff, and it looks like a DJ name, you know? No, I feel that. I've I've considered the wrong crowd thing uh, before. Yeah. So wrong crowd is, like, the the brand that I guess I've brought to the lead mill, um, which was originally, like, a clothing company that I started when I was, like, a teenager. So it's sort of like, yeah, yeah, it's got quite a cool origin. I think that's why I'm so sort of linked to that name of wrong crowd. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it it's started off as name. like, really solid yeah, name. do you know what? I couldn't believe no one else had thought of it. I think Tom O'Dell might have trademarked it now, you know, yeah. but <laughs> it was like some shitty album that he brought out. Um, and I think that they thought like, yep, yeah, that's it. We'll, we'll have that now. But uh, yeah, I can't believe no one else had thought of it at the time, to be honest. And it was sort of like representative of the kind of alternative thing I was trying to go for yeah. um, at the time. So yeah, it's just kind of stuck with me until, Still, still to this day, that's great. So, um, yeah, the reason being, uh, obviously, uh, you and Red know each other from work. Um, I assume Red's involvement in the podcast came up at some point, <laughs> and yes. um, and it would appear uh, from what Red's told me that you you don't really before before this big experiment. Your relationship with No Effects was one of I've heard the name, couldn't name you a song. I think I actually did something embarrassing. Yeah, you know, you go ahead, Red. Uh, Liam said that the only thing they know about No Effects is uh, that they have a song called Nazi Punks Fuck Off. (laughs) (laughs) We've all made uh, punk faux pas on this podcast. It's so easy to do. (laughs) Oh, no, absolutely. It's fine. Um, But yeah, but it is one of those. But that sounds like a that sounds like a a Napster LimeWire um mislabeled download sort of thing <laughs> from back in the day yeah god those um those limewire downloads bill clinton <laughs> or whatever it was um yeah but no i've not i've i my experience with no effects is that i worked their final show in leeds so i could hear it muffled from, oh no way like, i didn't across a field yeah, yeah we we were there weren't we we were we were there uh, we were there watching yeah so if you decided to get the bus home, I will have been one of the ones to help chaperone you on the bus. Ah, nice. So yeah, I, I, I heard that. And you know, the audience was like the most lovely audience of people, as you can probably imagine. We're pretty uh, old these days. We're not. Really <laughs> it, was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, but that's, that's, that's the kind of things I, I love to work at the punk shows because they're mm. always like the best. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've just never, I think that they, they'll probably been on like the Tony Hawk games. That I've played yeah. in the past. Yeah, yeah. I so think the like opening, that. the opening track that we're going to discuss was on one of the Tony Hawks. Yeah, yeah. So that's my kind of, and then they've just passed me by. Otherwise, mm-hmm. um, but I'm glad to say that from the the playlist that you, I really liked it, and uh, I've really vibed with it. So we haven't got like the awkwardness of me 
sitting here now <laughs> and pretending to think that it's not shite. But no, I, I really enjoyed the tune. No, look, to be honest, had you thought it was shite, I'd, I'd want you to let us know that. I want, I yeah. want, I want pure honesty from this because it, it's really, really interesting for someone who is into no effects adjacent and in some cases no effects inspired music 100 percent to sort of to sort of come to it and go all right what so what is this then and uh interesting to see whether there's any context for any of the bands that you particularly love uh, from hearing it and going oh i'm you know that makes a bit more sense but mm. so what what we did was um and we've got uh some people on the internet not all of them to thank for uh helping us <laughs> compile this list we decided that 10 songs on a playlist, and when you look at a band like NoFX, they've, you know, what, 16, 17 albums or something, so many seven inches, all mm. this kind of stuff. And we thought 10 songs is a small amount, but we didn't want to burden you with an hour of listening, you know, for the sake of this. So uh, we asked on uh, a couple of forums on Facebook um and on the no effects uh, reddit page i have since deleted the thread because uh, well, we got the information we needed so i just ducked out afterwards but we basically asked not including the decline because that's 18 minutes long what are the quintessential no effects what is the quintessential no effects song what is the one song you know basically and we got a couple of hundred responses and we thought, oh, that'll, that'll do. It's not the most scientific, but that's good enough, isn't it? And we took the top five mm-hmm. from them, and then we chose five other ones between us. Like like two each and then one mutual decision, kind Essentially, of. Essentially, yes. Yeah. Um, and it gave us this, um, this list. So the list we gave you was the, the top five um, in reverse order. We gave them to you in most popular first. Mm-hmm. So in reverse order, the top five were Sticking in My Eye, Bob, mm-hmm. Seeing Double at the Triple Rock, Linoleum in at number two. Interesting. Well, yeah. well, well. And Separation of Church and Skate at number one. So you had those in Skate, Linoleum, Triple Rock, Bob, Sticking in My Eye order. And then in no particular order, we chose Six Years on Dope, Leaving Jesus Land, Laurie Myers, All Out of Angst, and Eat the Meek. That's interesting. It's interesting to compare the where I've sort of so I've done a ranking. I've ranked them. That's great. I've, I I've love ranked this. Them from I've ranked them from my least favorite to my most favorite. So I have them from one to ten, in the order that I've sort of I vibed them. So hands in the air. I decided to not listen to them at all until yesterday. So okay. I held this up and I have had that playlist on the repeat mm-hmm. pretty much the entire time. So I've oh, just great. had that one in my house. Had one in the shower. Body for that. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, because uh, I've been vibing with it, I think if I wasn't if I wasn't enjoying it, it wouldn't have been quite the case. It was getting those replays. Hmm. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it plays up. I, immediately, there's always there's already some separations. I would say from yeah. what I think you guys have I may have put the ones I prefer uh, towards oh, okay. against the fan favorites, but we'll see uh, for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, um, we'll save your ranking for the end. We'll go yes. through each of them in the order that we gave them in the playlist. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and sort of break them down, what you enjoyed, what you, you know, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we'll hear your, your, um, least the top, top 10. 10. Yeah. Your top 10 in, in that order. 
and uh, and discuss that a little bit. This is this is uh, this is. I love the fact that you've ranked it. That we didn't even ask that. I was thinking, should we have? No, it's fine. Great, love it. We did. We did once ask Lily from the Mefs um, who her favourite NoFX member was, and she asked if she could rank them, <laughs> which was really rude but very funny. <laughs> yes, uh, for for the same reason. Brilliant. Yeah. So uh, I uh, I do like it, and she was doing it just to purely be rude, which is even yeah. more fun. Um, and the funny thing is, is that this morning I did listen to Uptown Top Ranking by Althea and Donna. So um, now whenever people talk about ranking, I'm just hearing it with a sort of reggae vibe in the background, which is just just a treat for me. So we started off with the most popular, I think, out of the hundred odd. The, oh, I've got all the. I, I really yeah. didn't expect this to be the top suggestion. It beat Linoleum by one vote. Oh, okay. This got oh, okay. 12 votes. Uh, I mean, there was like 80 songs that were named. Mm, sure. Um, and um, I think a couple of them were people trying to be funny. As always, this is what always happens to these kind of things, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, so, but I, I still wrote them down because, you know, <laughs> you know, that's fine. So, uh, Church and Skate of the couple of hundred got 12 votes which is the highest number. So that's how broad uh, sort of favorite, you know, it's, there are, I suppose, bands with much smaller discographies. So mm. we go, oh, what's what's your favorite song by, I'm trying to think of a <clears throat> band with like four albums. It doesn't matter. But, you know, there's sort of, you know, people know that, you know, such bands are always going to play stuff. Whereas with no effects, before their final shows, you wouldn't really know what songs you were going to get. Yeah. You'd know that you were probably going to get Linoleum. You know, you're probably going to get maybe Bob sticking in my eye, a few of the sort of super, you know, the super fan favorites. But you could be getting weird shit from a seven inch. You could be getting, you know, all stuff they've not played in forever. So that's the exciting thing. So separation of church and skate. What do you think? Great tune. Great <laughs> tune. And I think... Uh, also, from from a DJ's perspective, it's good for these kind of songs to exist because it keeps me in work. Because um, <laughs> as you can imagine, with the rock stuff, there's not a whole lot of mixing going on because mm-hmm. uh, it sounds shit. But uh, there's always nice to be able to chop off a, a talking bit at the start. Keeps me yeah. it keeps me in work. So uh, yeah, great. And it's a great it's a great talking bit at the start too. Um, well, it's kind know, of like why I chose to like pop this one right at the top because I think mm. it's a nice little intro to the playlist. It's it's the it's the classic uh, "Hey kids, do you want to go to the punk rock show?" intro. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that's how it should be. I I love that kind of like leading into the thing, and I think that that's. Um, one of the first bands that I love that I'd sort of start to draw comparisons with is Less Than Jake. And it mm. kind of reminds mm. me of that start bit on All My Best Friends and Metalheads. You know, it has the sort of talking bit of the start oh, and hits yeah. straight into the riff. Um, so yeah, this is this is a really strong start to the playlist. I think it was like, with um, with some of these, I think you can get a feel if you're going to vibe with it from the start and to have it sort of kick into how that was, I was immediately like, yeah, I'm here with this, you know. Love it. It's um it's it's interesting. We've actually got three three album openers on this. Uh, yeah, and this is one of them. This opens up their War and Errorism uh, album, fan favorite uh, album as well. Um, it is um, it's interesting. It's fun as well because it's sort of it, it's a reoccurring no effects theme. It's about 
punk the punk scene it's about um policing the, punks yeah yeah kind of <laughs> it, it's it is it is the most gen x they get in um oh these kids today with their rubbish punk we remember good punk where you could get stabbed at shows this is what I was kind of thinking when I listened to this one. So is this the this is the one that's kind of the lyrics is when did punk rock get so stale, right? Is this, uh, this so shoot? safe. Yeah, so yeah. safe, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was making yeah. me wonder what it was like when it wasn't safe, bearing in mind that when this song came out. So like was this like two thousand like early two thousands or was that even before this? Or something like that. Yeah. So early two yeah, thousands. Yeah. And I, I, I was really thinking, fuck me, what were these shows like before that? If um you know, in two thousand and three we're calling for them to be less safe. Well, I, I think he's like, I mean, like, obviously, like, Mike does, like, a lot of songs about it and stuff, but he really romanticizes, you know, like, the 80s punk scene, uh, particularly around, like, Washington, you know, like, 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 Black Flag stuff. I mean, I'm sure, like, you're a Black Flag fan, you would have seen, like, yes. the videos of, like, Henry Rollins era Black Flag when it just looks awful. Yeah. The, <laughs> it just looks and, like and a the, big the, fight. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. The LA scene was just scuzzy and everyone was on really really dodgy drugs and just sort of <laughs> the shittiest nastiest crap filled you know or, or as mike calls them the good old days <laughs> when he literally didn't do drugs it's like he misses he's he's got <laughs> access to such brilliant drugs and he's like we're going oh i wish i could have had some really bad shit in capsules that were made of poison it's just it's uh it's uh it's incredible but yeah it's um uh but i think it's sort of I, th- I mean, I'm guessing that the title is a reference to um, the sort of the Christian punk, right? Okay, sort of subgenre. MXPX oh, okay. used to be involved. Uh, I don't believe they they identify as Christian anymore. Um, but oh, is, was... is it like the 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 like Under Oath on the Warp yeah. Tour and all that sort of stuff? Because they were quite a, a big christian band yeah there were prayer meetings on the warp tour and mike was like what the fuck is this (laughs) Um, (laughs) like really present for that there's a video of him attending a a a prayer meeting at the warp tour on video it was i can't remember what it was from was it from their backstage passport it might have been it's from somewhere Mm. anyway but yeah he's just there and uh, the thing is is that all of these kids all the people who are in the bands I'm not using the word kids in like a, a US punk rock way, which is anyone under the age of 90. Um, but like, the, these are like actual teenagers. They've got like these enormous braces on and stuff like that. They're like, really, they are like children. And they're, and they're there doing pr- Bible readings and prayer stuff. And, and a man well on his way to 40, if not over 40, is sat there going, this is a bit dumb, isn't it? <laughs> he's an interesting character so like i again i don't know very much about um about the members of the band again so my my only kind of obviously i've heard that you know he's kind of like a controversial person um there's been like i think one of the things that i read there was like beef with Haley williams from paramore that's quite yeah that was sort of yeah recently or she brought it up it, the, what he, the incident happened a while ago, but she brought it up a bit more recently. Yeah, or, or right. Okay, about it okay. Again. Yeah, and he, his his stance is very much like, no, I love Haley. I make fun of everyone. I'm sorry. Um yeah. But like, yeah, I don't think that's gonna heal any wounds. <laughs> no, I, no, I can see. I can see why she wouldn't decide to be his best yeah. friend. But I, I think Absolutely. that you know, that I, I think that that. I guess it's better than just kind of saying, nah. 
I guess is, mm. is my thing with that one. Um, and I guess if, 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 if it is his act to offend everybody, um, has there been any sort of like other notable things the, like that that have sort of... The worst, the worst thing, I think, in terms of like no effects is cancellation is there guitarist Melvin did a joke about the Las Vegas shooting when they played in Las Vegas. And that led to years of them not really being able to play mainland America. Um, Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was quite, it was quite bad. It's actually why they ended up doing the punk and trouble stage at slam dunk, which I know like you're quite familiar with. You're like a, like a part, like like the school of slam dunk, if you will. Um, so like, that's why they started. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's why they started doing like the secondary stage there because they couldn't really get gigs in the US. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> they started just sort of hiring out like parking lots and sort of spaces where they could put on there. And the idea was that it was craft beer that they worked with a brewery. They made craft beer. They had free tasting until about 4 p.m. So it was like free beer and a band. And they were like, oh, it's like a, a, a half day festival where we have like four or five really good bands on and that's it. And everyone can go home because everyone's old. So they want to try different craft beers in little little half pint <laughs> cups to sip them down all nice and stuff. And um, And I don't think they necessarily would have come up with that if they were able to just tour venues. But they they really got it in the neck for that. It was uh, It was... It and, could have been and very as Mike nice. keeps reminding people as well, he didn't say it. No, no. <laughs> he did. He did repeat it with glee in his voice, but he didn't yeah, say he it did, initially. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. That, so he is. Yeah. I mean, Mike. Mike shoots his mouth off, and most of the time, it is uh, funny and harmless. And sometimes he steps over a line that other people find unacceptable. Mm. Um, I. I think sometimes he thinks he's funnier than he is. Yeah. And I am absolutely guilty of doing the exact same thing uh, because otherwise, how else do you find out how funny you actually are? Um, so uh, the only difference is, is that he said it to a lot more people than I've ever said it to. So, uh, But yeah, but uh, so separation of church and skate, um, thumbs up on that one. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, is, a, it is a classic bit of work. Second on the list is is almost the sort of the holy grail, isn't it? It's the it's the 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 most yeah. ubiquitous song, yeah. I think. The one that people go, Oh yeah, I know no effects, and they think of this one, Linoleum. What did you reckon? I again, a big fan. I think this was where I started to have this penny drop moment that I was like, um, uh, Blink-182 wouldn't exist without this band, would they? Like, it was kind of that, like, you know, you could really see where these really strong influences were coming through. And I've got on my, uh, I've got on my notes here that I wrote about this one, is that this is, this was the one that gave me the most Tony Hawk's vibe. Yeah, I sure. think that, I think that Tony yeah. Hawk's are sort of underground and those games in general yeah. have mm. almost like created a subgenre of punk rock music. It's like, yeah. it's like Tony Hawk music almost. So it's, I, it's a thing that me and my friends say often. Yeah, there is a tribute, a band who just Yeah, 900. Played, 900 who played Tony Hawk the soundtrack. Yeah. Mm. So they're not, yeah, they're, they, they're literally playing a sort of genre of their own, which is mad. Um, but yeah, this one comes from their 1994 album, uh, which has got... 
what's sort of known as the fat sound fat records fat mike's record company the fat sound uh which comes from them trying to imitate the first propaganda album and the production <laughs> right, okay on that. okay and the next release is from Lagwagon and uh other bands like that they, they it sounds like that vibe yeah they, it's yeah. kind of like this it's like it's interesting to hear Red say about the slam dunk thing. I think that this is where I sort of get my yearly dose of this kind of punk. Mm. Um, sort of like you know, either playing through the speakers in between the bands, or right. just just e- even more exposure to it in the lead up to that festival. Do you know what I mean? When the lineups mm. come out, I'll sort of go through and have a listen to everything, and yeah. sort of like I was, um, I found myself listening to Million Coin after this. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, yeah. For, for all the bands, they're not one that I've visited in quite a long time so mm. uh, yeah what was really cool about this particular song is i came back to this one and i did the spotify feature where you do the spotify radio joe and it's mm-hmm. sort of like it shows you songs that are similar to this song and then you play through yeah and they were just back-to-back bangers all of them yeah. uh, and it was just that this kind of sound which was good so yeah it's a uh, it's it, it's another great show there, there was that period in the in the sort of mid to late 90s where fat were just putting out great music but it did all sound a lot like this this sonically very very similar and that was a a producer called ryan green uh Mm. who did loads of that kind of stuff um and i'm pretty sure that it's been covered by avenge sevenfold amongst others really okay live yeah they've done it live yeah a few times that's good for them to be sort of showing a bit of you know, showing a bit of respect for the older stuff. With they the say it's the it's the music that they like came from. Like it's like so that they have like a lot of love for it, and it's they've actually been included in Mike's punk rock museum as well. Like he sees them as like a crossover. Mm. Uh, like he he sees them as punk, even though their music may not necessarily be quite traditionally punk. So there's a few bands like that that are in that museum, right? So I, I've, yeah. I've seen an interview with Mike, and I think it might have been the Punk Rock NBA podcast. That, um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. sort of yeah. talking about that, and I think that's when he said that he'd put Paramore in that as well. Yes, um, he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is cool, because I think they've learned that. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, he said that the, there's going to be bands that he doesn't necessarily like, but you can't deny that they are punk. You know, he because they actually of, said they didn't want to be included, but he just included yeah, them anyway. Anyway, <laughs> well, he said, yeah, he said, but the, yeah, but he asked if they had anything they wanted to donate. So they said we don't want to be involved, and he's like, well, I'm going to put you in there, but it means you'll just have sort of a picture, like a public domain picture, going Paramore are here too, because <laughs> um, that was with the uh, Green Day were the ones who said they didn't consider themselves a punk band and didn't want to be. Yeah. It didn't contribute anything. And he's like, it's really weird. Of all the bands that I've asked, and I've asked bands who don't even like me personally, and they've gone, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll do that. And uh, it's like Green Day, who I'm like, I get on with, but they did change their mind eventually. But he's like how can you say they're not punk? They were like there in 1994 when punk broke. They're, one, they're yeah. the main reason punk broke. They were the, the most successful of all of those bands. In what Smash world? isn't doing that by itself. You need Dookie, otherwise it's not happening, you know. That was another one that I found myself going back and listening to last night, you know. It was like the Dookie tracks yeah. would sort of find their way onto the radio playlist. And I think this is well, a good talking point on this one is that the songs that you sent over, I think with this kind of music, there's always a bit of a risk that the songs do sound the same. So, like, I'm a big Less Than Jake fan. Mm-hmm. I listen to them a lot at home. My partner's not really into alternative music at all. And she will sort of say, this all sounds exactly the same um, <laughs> with, with them in particular. I think that the 
they really have got a good bit of variation between how these songs all sound. And I, I really vibe with that. That's really good to hear because like we particularly like just taken like their big hitters. So it's nice that there's like a diff, like a variety of sounds across their biggest uh, songs as well. I'm just having Absolutely. a look at There's two songs here that were released in 1992 and one of the songs was released in 2016. So yeah. And all the other songs fall within that. So there's quite a, quite a breadth of, and they do tend to sound sort of different from one album to the next. Yes. The Even albums if, kind of seems like, you know, they've kind of got a theme that goes through the album. I feel yep. hmm. all quite distinct from one another. Um, it feels like they kind of do their thing for that album. I guess the same as so many bands do. They do that their thing for that album and then it kind of switches up for the next one. But not in yeah. a way that's too noticeable that you're kind of listening to a different band. Absolutely. No. I, I think it's their one of their biggest strengths. Like, And they do a lot of seven inches in between the albums, which I always see as them like, like resetting themselves creatively. Like they'll do seven inches where they, like he apparently like wrote the songs in 20 minutes and then, they just like learn them live on the day and the first take that they do correctly just ends up on the EP. That's and... it, just bang, get that impressed. <laughs> so and I just think that, that that helps them get away from like, you know, the albums that are a bit more like require more focus and attention. Mm. Um, kind of like do that as a stopgap in between. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, Mike talks about how he likes to push himself as a songwriter. He likes to do things that are a bit different, a bit more interesting. He doesn't like a lot of he. They might be on here, but the, a lot of the uh, songs he writes don't tend to have sort of standard verse, chorus, verse structures. I mean, like Linoleum, we're just talking about. There's no chorus on it. There's no there's no bit that it comes back to. It's just a weird sort of collection of things. But it but it works. Hundred um, percent. Not even rhyming in some cases as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. With with yeah. Put, with the the pop punk stuff, that's like it's almost like in the same way like grime music is. It sort of comes back to the the lyric on a rhyme. Um, sure. No effects said. No thanks to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, yeah. That, they were not with it. But in, in, as you say, in a way that still works really well. Um, hmm. I think a little bit later down the list, there's 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 ones in particular. Where it's just like, this is just like silly words being put together, but in the same way, this sounds amazing. Yeah, very yeah. likely. Well, we'll uh, we'll shift on to. Uh, oh no, we got two cuts from Wolves and Wolves Clothing. The first one being seeing double at the Triple Rock. One of my favourites. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like this track. Um, mm. So it's what what is the name of the album with the yellow cover? Wolves in Wolves Clothing. Wolves in Wolves Clothing, right. So that is where I think that personally I I would be more driven to go and listen back to that album first. Yeah, it would not be a bad start. No, it's great. Uh, I think it's a bit faster. It's a little bit bit better produced possibly um, as well. There's a different production, Uh, but yeah, it sounds great. It sounds great. It's also a really consistent sound as well, like you say. It's it's It's, um, wonderful. a strange album in that it's like, I don't know how many tracks it is. It's quite a lot of tracks, but all of it the is. tracks are like under three minutes. So it's the like whole playlist very... you sent me was 25 minutes. It's 10 songs. Yeah. So that's, that's quite rare now, especially nowadays, really. Um, so it was, yeah, which helped with the sort of like re-listenability. It's like, you just got 25 minutes of just kind of solid bangers from this. Uh, yeah. You can do it twice in an hour and visit the bathroom as well. Yeah. A little legitimate. <laughs> what, more, what more can you want? That's yeah, too right. But no, yeah, great, great track. I, I think it's kind of, it's fast, which is, is something that I'm always personally driven towards. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, th- this makes me, 
I sort of envisioned what this song is like being played live. I imagine this is when it all gets a bit lively. Um, yeah, cool. it's a it's a live favorite, definitely. I don't. I think they've played it at probably most of the gigs they've done since they released it. But I, I don't yeah. remember seeing a show where they didn't play it. They, um, funnily enough, for this one, the uh, El Jefe, their guitarist, can't actually play the intro riff while standing up. He has to like. <laughs> Prop his like leg on a monitor. Yeah, just for ultimate concentration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just needs to be really high for him to be able to do the hammer-ons and stuff. It's just a little, yeah, it's just it's an funny. angle thing. So, yeah, he has to stand, put one leg on a monitor, rest it on his knee. And Mike makes oh. fun of him. Yep. I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's great because at no point would he consider raising his guitar up. But, uh, it's not uh, he, rock. He, no. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Rage Against the Machine, lads. Come on. Come on, let's uh, let's do this properly. But yeah, seeing double. Um, yeah, it's uh, just uh, what I do like about this is that it is a um, Mike sings a lot about inebriation and drug use, particularly later in their career. And uh, this is one of the few songs like that that I don't think sounds really sort of. I want to use the word cringe, but it can be a little bit cringe. Um, <laughs> But there. this one is is just like a sort of yeah yeah like, whoa check us out bros um, <laughs> yeah but this one this one seems to be like a bit of a love letter to the triple rock bar, which is a bit of a different thing because that just sounds like oh this place is a great place to hang out and do all of the booze and <laughs> I like places like that so um, <laughs> that's why I, I am very fond of this one I think. Um, I think there's a, a music video for this. They actually there made is, a full yeah. music video um, where they're dressed as priests drinking and then Jesus walks into the bar and <laughs> I forget the exact plot, but, you know. <laughs> so this was the early noughties that this one came out, right? Yes, this yeah. one was after, this one was the next album after the one Separation of Church and Skate was on, okay. after the War on Errorism. So this was probably mid-noughties. We're probably getting to like maybe 2007 or eight. Like so that. I imagine that went down very well in America at the time. That was like uh, kind of their thing, just trying to upset Middle America. Um, yeah, yeah, they. The I rate it. Mike Mike loves um, loves a uh, an easy. Um, it's it, it's that sort of it's that sort of atheism that's really shocking in America, but not really over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not at all. It's crazy how different it would be, right? It's kind yeah. of just like I don't believe in all that. Fair enough, and then you kind of move on. So yeah. Someone say that it's just how it should be. Yeah, it seems yeah. that yeah, the, the the sort of ambivalence, like oh well, whatever. Um, oh, it was released in two thousand and six. Okay, so um, so it's, yeah, seventeen years ago, saying like, uh, guess what? I don't, I I don't believe in God. Would cause pearls being clutched all over the place, <laughs> and uh, yeah, in some places probably still does. But you know, mm. that's uh, that's how that is. Although now, uh, now everything that people don't like is described as satanic, which hasn't been happening since the eighties. So glad that's come back. Brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, seeing double at triple rock is uh, it's. Um, I think I think one of the appealing things about this is when seeing this live because it starts off with just the riff and then it's got a sort of a slow build until it actually gets to the full intro. There's a sense of anticipation in the crowd when it starts off. People are like, like oh, it's starting. It's happening. You go, boom, 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 boom. 
thump, like, oh, and uh, you know, and then and then people go off, and it is. It's um, the the build on it is great. The drama, oh, can't beat it. Great. Uh, the next two are off the same album, and they are the oldest tracks we've got here. Mm-hmm. The first one of those is Bob. How do you mm-hmm. find Bob? So this is where we started to get into the horns. And we sure. started to yeah. see the, the Scar influences really started to come in. So I thought this song was fine, if if I'm completely honest with you. So to hear sure. this one was a, a, a fan favourite mm. is is a, is a bit of a shocker to me personally. I I, li- I liked all of this, but I wouldn't say that this was this was definitely down towards one of my um, lesser sure. favourites. Yes. Um, but again, good, and you can see that they were one of these bands that were sort of pioneering that Scar punky kind of thing with this um yeah but still not a bad tune not a bad tune by any means sure no it's um it on the white this 1992 mike was still finding his voice and by that i mean literally finding his voice because uh you know some people still argue that he can't sing there's a period when his voice sounds incredible um it wasn't quite there yet so uh, yeah, but this was the first album that El Jefe featured on. Who's playing the uh, playing the trumpet? So this this kind of um, I, it gave me Cheshire Cat Blink vibes. Sure, it was, yeah. It, it yeah. almost it almost to me um, seemed a little bit like Mark might have heard this kind of thing and been like, "I'm going to sing like that." I think, and because uh, the, the similarities <laughs> between the sort of vocal styles in that really early Blink stuff and um, mm. and this are really there. And thank God they were, because I, I actually looked into this to see who who Blink, who were one of my favourite bands, hmm. um, sort of listed as their influences, and No Effects were right up there, unsurprisingly. Yeah, uh, and I think this is one where that really comes across. Well, the the EP they released before this album called The Longest Line. If you, I think there's a Blink One Eight Two demo called Fly Swatter. Okay, on I'm that, not familiar with that one. It, it, I think it's like a super early demo, like you know, very, very early on and they cover the longest line. Right. Okay. So there is a, there is a version which, of, which uh, probably should have been in this list potentially. Like it's another, another big no effects song. Oh, I mean, th- this list could be three times as long and we'd still be yeah, going, sure. oh, we should really put that. In. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> we, we had to basically just made a hard and fast rule and go, look, it's not perfect, but that's what it is, <laughs> which is that's often how, which is actually the best way to describe no effects. I'll also be honest as well. Like Bob, Bob isn't one of my favorites either. And like, I, I think I've been surprised when I first found out that it was one of their biggest tracks. Like I, I think I've probably seen Bob at every no effects live show that I've seen. And it's, yeah. it's not, but I like that it adds a bit of variety to the, to what they are doing. Um, I don't dislike it, but. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, as far as their Oi songs go, I'd have preferred to see the bruise, but um, yeah, but you know, we this is what people are saying. I think there's a real thick seam of white trash fans, white trash two heaps and a bean, being the album that this is off, who sort of see that as their pinnacle, and that maybe yeah. because after that we got Punk and Droblick, where Linoleum comes from, and they were they were trying to make their album sound like propaganda. So it might've been that if you were there at the time, you might've seen them making a shift towards trying to sound more like some other band, you know, maybe that's the perspective that these sort of fans of that are coming from. But do you ever feel that at the shows 
would you say that like when these older songs are played, is it kind of like, do you, do you feel the notice between sort of newer fans and older fans, or do you think that it's just the case that people sort of get on board a bit more? I think there are definitely fans of people who are bigger fans of certain periods. I'd say. I mean, for me, sort of punk and droblick through to wolves. Actually, yeah. no, including yeah, I'm going to include um, errorism, first ditch effort as well. But that sort of period, errorism, yeah, it falls within that. That's when I was sort of super getting into them. But um, it's it's generally, I think, to do with when you first heard them. So a lot of people, if they were like teenagers when White Trash came out and that's when they got into No Effects, then they really like that album. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if they got into them a few years later, when Punk and Droplet came out, that will be their album. Um, And that that seems to happen for a lot of people. Mm. And and like you say, because the albums are quite, it's quite clear which song, which album a song comes from, then, then you sort of associate them with that sound. And they've had yeah. several different sounds. They're all sort of consistent. And they all make sense. And you can hear that sound all the way through. It's just like they sort of, it's like they've they've got this very, very broad sound and they just sort of amp up one aspect of it for each album. But then they stay in there. You know, there were bits where you sort of, like with the, the sort of Scaria stuff, they'd done Scar stuff sort of, throughout the mid to late night or yeah, early through to the late nineties. And then they did an album in 2000 with no scar whatsoever, not even a hint of it just out of nowhere. And people were like, all right. So they don't, and they, I think they did have a song called we don't play scar no more. And then, <laughs> of course. And then, of course. and then they, and then they started playing scar again. So, you know, it's just, <laughs> uh, it's just how it goes. But yeah, no, Bob is, um, and again, it's another. It's interesting because this one is about someone that the band knew or that Mike knew, about a guy who got told to stop drinking, so he became a skinhead and just, you know, drank endless cups of coffee and uh, and all this kind of stuff. And he he just occasionally writes songs about real people, and people assume he's made them up. He goes, "No, that's just the sort of people you meet in the LA punk scene. It's just <laughs> oh, bet. just weirdos knocking around the place, and it sounds sounds fun and exciting." Mm. We move on to the other White Trash track, and this is the last of the top five from the general public, which is Sticking in My Eye. Yes. Again, not... I, I, Joe, when I, when I... I think, me personally, it comes down to sort of the, the sort of sound that I like, and that mm. is bringing me back to seeing Double the Triple Rock again. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, so it's okay. It was It was a song that I can understand why people like it, but it isn't something for me that I would go back to. Or, with that said, uh, it's a song that will grow on me for sure. Uh, I think with getting further into their sort of discography. And, you know, I, I think this one was a top five Spotify one, right? I think this was in the... Yeah, um, wouldn't surprise me. This was in the top five of that list. W- one yeah, thing I was, was kind of fine. Like I would say about this track, like it sounds better live. Like there are more recent versions of it that oh, sound bet. a bit a bit better because I don't think the production on White Trash is the best sounding album they've put out. No, no. Um, It's a bit of a shame for me now that, I mean, some of these things, when when I worked that event in Leeds the other day and it was that they were doing their last last ever shows and people were sort of getting quite sad as they were leaving. I was sort of seeing everybody leave and everyone was going, oh no, I can't believe this will be the last time. And I was a little bit like, will it though? 
Will it? Yeah. Will it really? Do you do you two think it will be at the end now, or do you think there'll be more? We'll see in our face again. We are basically like Mike has mm. said that they will still be a band and they will still record studio albums, but their days of doing live tours, in particular like world tours, is is probably not going to happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an occasional, maybe gig, either probably in Los- like at the Punk Museum. I think yeah, I think because I think they're going to be. I think they're having a venue space built in with that. They keep on expanding it and all the rest of it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they occasionally played there, or maybe did it once, or did like an album launch party where they play the album and nothing else, and that's it. Because the point that they always want to be provocative and um, and something of an irritant, they like to be the grain of sand that the pearl is made around. Mm. Um, and so, if they were to literally do a gig that was their new album and nothing else, they would find that hilarious because of how annoyed people would be. Go, what? You're not even going to do linoleum? No. Oh shit! You know. So maybe they'll do that, and I don't think that would be breaking the rules as they've set it out, but I just think they'll not be in the tour bus, you know, flying around the world. Have you have you ever been at a show where an artist has done that, by the way? It it really does go every little bit as you imagine it would. Yeah. Really? No. I, 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 I did I, I I of all the acts far removed from punk rock, but um we had Paolo Natini play at the Lead Mill in Oh Sheffield. yeah. So Paolo Natini had not played shows for I believe it was ten years at this point. Obviously Paolo Natini is a massive act. Yeah, uh, I think played two, uh, two songs that people knew, and then everything else was new. And there was no kind of, um, there was no sort of like hint this would be the case. It was just that you got the two, and and out of power, and it didn't do new shoes. <laughs> it's just yeah. kind of like, so you can just imagine this kind of like white, it's the white audience of people, sort of like radio two. They were fucking fuming about it, and and it was like the whole. <laughs> It's like progressively you can see more and more people like, oh, is he, is he going to play something that we know yet? And just towards the end, it was almost like the atmosphere was just like, where's new shoes? Yeah, it was mad. So like I, I sort of, um, yeah, I, I, I can see why they would want to get, they, they would get a reaction out of that if they were I, doing it. I remember there were two, two occasions at Leeds Festival back in the long ago that I remember of people saying that um, they were in the the busiest, most packed tents for the first three songs of a band. And then it just emptied to about a quarter, which was when electric six were on. As soon as they'd done gay bar, everyone was off. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck this. And the other one was um, alien ant farm. As soon as they'd done smooth criminal, (laughs) everyone off. And um, and yeah, I was like, "Why are you not keeping that till the?" <laughs> it makes Lads. no sense. It's Sit like, down, like, yeah. It's like Wheatus. So Wheatus are still touring, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think they're still. I think they're still doing quite well. I think they're sh- they're selling out venues at the moment. Yeah. Like, oh, popular, yeah. Uh, but but y- you're saving teenage dirtbag for last, right? Uh, like, I I think I heard a thing where on the tour they actually played it five times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that rumor as well. Yeah. I don't know any other. Uh, I don't know any other Wheatus songs personally. I know Little Respect, which is a cover of Eurasia. I know. Yeah. Do they do that? that. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I might have that. to work that into my sets. You know, because oh, that, yeah, on the indie stuff that goes off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was a follow up. Yeah. It was big on like Kerrang in like mm. the noughties. It was it was a big track. 
again, this 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 is just another one that's completely missed me. I think it's maybe because I was kind of very much deep in the My Chemical Romance kind of side of things at that time. Mm. But no, I'll be checking that out for sure. Oh, yeah, because that yeah that came out roughly the same time as like I'm Not Okay as well. That, like you could see those the videos on MTV like back to back and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I definitely resonated with the kind of um, eyeliner and skinny jeans more, more than sort of mohawks at that time. Yeah, yeah. Got it got into it more through it was Green Day. It was so funny that you were saying that they wouldn't consider themselves a punk band because I mm. feel like they're almost everybody's entry level into this scene. You know, it was like American yeah. Idiot came out, it was so big. And then when you went back you sort of found that more raw sound mm. um towards like the, the start of their career and you know, for the Green greatest Day did it twice. That's the maddest thing. Because when you said that, I was like, "Oh yeah, Dookie." And you're like, "When they did American Idiot?" I go, oh yeah, that that one as well. They they did it twice. <laughs> yeah, like, I I remember um, when they did the one after American Idiot, and I was talking about, and I was talking to a friend of mine who's much younger than me, and I was saying uh, I really like the you know the, the early stuff. And he's like, "Oh, American Idiot." I'm like, "No, no, no." There, there was this one in the '90s called Dookie. Like they released songs in the '90s. I'm like. <laughs> Hey, don't make, don't say things. It hurts my feelings. It's you know, it's, <laughs> I'm feeling bad now. Um, and uh, and he was like, yeah, I guess it's all right. I'm like, all right, that's the good stuff. And I was like, you're being old, Ed. You're being old. Stop being old. No one likes Wait, it's it. Crazy no one's... Good, it's, oh, it's crazy good though. It's great. Yeah, I think it did grow on him eventually. But you know, um, but yeah, they sort of turned up with American Idiot as if they were a brand new band out of nowhere, mm. and lots of people assumed that because. Well, their last album, Warning. Pfft, come on, that did that did very little, and it was fairly uninspired, as far as I as far as I was concerned. Mm. Um, but yeah, Green Day managed to do that twice, of of being the introduction to the underground. People are like, how come this is getting radio play? It's like because they've already had hits. That's why you just don't know about them, which is uh, which is pretty cool. So this is where we leave the um, uh, list as described by the. Um, by the uh, general public, uh, and just on, on a side note, there, Red, um, is it basically you would agree with all with all of these apart from the two off of White Trash? What in terms of like in a in top ten belonging on the top ten? No, no, I, I think these all belong here. Like okay. they they weren't they wouldn't necessarily all be my my favourite songs, but no, I think everything here uh, you know has earned its place as a as a representation of. An aspect yeah. of no effects. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, been a good starting point, I would say. Uh, yeah, I think that those those songs, like, um, there's a bit of variation amongst it all, which yeah. uh, which I really enjoyed. Cool. So we're going to get into. Um, I think these next two were your choices, weren't they, Red? So uh, six years on dope. Oh no, I've I've got Laurie Myers as the next one. Oh, do you? Oh, did you? Oh, did you change the order? I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think, no I, think I sent, sent you I've, the I've final just got them written too. down just as. Not in any particular order because you did a playlist, didn't you? You changed it as a playlist, right? I okay. did, yeah. So in so, that case, this one's so, my choice. Uh, yes. No surprises to any any long term listeners that Laurie Myers uh, is my one. So, um, so, sorry, I've really, really front loaded that with. Anyway, this is my best song ever. So, absolutely say what you feel. I do not mind. Um, my my okay. love for Laurie Myers cannot be shaken by anything. So, you go right ahead. Love the riff at the start. The riff oh, at yeah. the start is excellent. And I think the intro to this song is excellent. Um, guest vocals throw me a bit. Uh, oh. So, if you can put the honest. So, so who, is the, who are the guest vocals? Uh, that is Kim Shattuck from the Muffs. 
the muffs. It kind of, and I'm sorry if I offend anybody here, gave me Eric Cartman vibes. Really? Yeah, it was, it was kind wow. of like, sort of like, I don't know if it threw me about that that particular bit, um, but in, in a way that it didn't stop me enjoying the track. I was still vibing with it 100%, but it was, um, yeah, the, it kind of just didn't feel like it fitted for me personally. Um, that was That was definitely one of my lesser enjoyed songs. Kim Shattuck, who died four years ago on the 2nd of October, so three days ago. Nice one, mate. Oh, really? <laughs> Sorry, that's sake. deeply cruel. Uh, no, 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 it, it is, but uh, no, she was, um, yeah, she did, uh, but yeah. Rest in uh, peace. She's an icon in uh, in many ways, I'm sure. But, uh, no, 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 she's I'm, uh, I'm, I'm being needlessly unpleasant. Um, oh, yes, no, uh, you know, Kim Shattuck, yeah, the muffs, um, Muffs sort of started up, they they went um, sort of a bit more like sort of pop core. They were very sort of jangly uh, sort of guitar pop um, after starting out a lot harder. But yeah, they, they're, they're well worth having a listen to. It's weird. She, her voice is actually sort of screamier and growlier on this one than most of the other stuff. But yeah, they... It uh, reminds me of Amel and the Sniffers. Um, I think oh, yeah. she's sort of coming through yeah. now, which... Um, yeah. Again, it's like I think if she wasn't Australian, it would sound very, 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 very similar. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I agree actually. Yeah. No, I will check them out for sure. I will check them out. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to hear them not on a feature. But yeah, the 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 opening the opening riff is uh, it's it's yeah it's it, like I say it's it's possibly my favourite No Effects song. It you know how it is with favourite songs you dip in and out. Mm. One day you're feeling this, one day you're feeling that. But it's been a constant. And that opening riff with that drum beat, the the no effects drum beat, and the octave chord riff is just oh, super exciting. And look, I think, we saw, no, I think it was my favourite start to a track that was on the list. I think mm-hmm. it was like, kind of really starts quite strong. Mm. Um, yeah. No, we did uh, when we watched them at the uh, the Leeds thing. It took a few seconds to realize they were playing it because there's no intro to it whatsoever there's it just starts full throttle and so it gives so there's a couple of moments you go oh it's, it, it happens uh but yeah i uh i love that one super much what's the next one red it is leaving jesus land and this is one of your choices isn't it it was one of my choices it's also friend of the podcast Solio sullivan's favorite no effects track absolutely which, uh once uh, i was at a no effects gig with sully and uh, NoFX said, so what songs should we play? And Sully shouted, leaving Jesus land. And everyone turned around and looked at him like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. So, so is this is this one that, that wouldn't have, because that to me is crazy, because this song is fantastic. They yeah. did uh, play it when we saw them, but that was because they did, they, they played this album at the Leeds show. Right. Okay. No, is this is this off the yellow fronted album also? Was it? Yes, Wolf? it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, you can. This is definitely sort of my pull. Um, yeah, I love them. I, I love this track. I think that it's it's like what I was talking about before. You know, when it was kind of like these lyrics do not rhyme. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But like they're put together in a way that still sounds really excellent. And yes. I think that it's a song that sort of has this sort of like, you're welcome here, um, sort yeah. of messaging within it, whilst also not taking itself too seriously. Like, I think there's like a lyric within it that's, that's I think it's like, they haven't seen their own gen- genitalia in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. it's a funny, like, lyric to include in a song. How often do you hear things like that in a track <laughs> now, right? Oh, and no um, effects. Fairly often. Fairly <laughs> often. <laughs> Depending on the era, but yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> no, I, I rate that. This 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 is great. Um, and I think I dare say, probably the most catchy. Um, and yeah, I think it gets if, in your head. I think if there was out of all of these songs, if I was to say, what would you play at a club night to get people sort of vibing and dancing and keeping that energy up, mm. whilst it's still being a no effects song, uh, this would be the one that I would pick. Really, that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I really, really like this track. I think it's. I don't know if it is. It's just the messaging within it as well. It's just like kind of. Um, that's what I always have really liked about the sort of alternative scene. You know, yeah. there's this kind of like everybody is welcome here, kind of thing, and that's very representative in in the events that you go to, right? Um, yeah, it's yeah. Sort of like it's different, and uh, that's why I really like it. So yeah, this is this is a great tune. Uh, it, I, I find myself going back and listening to this one um, more than the others. Sort of like uh, great, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I think this one lyrically, it's it's actually more inclusive than it is exclusive, because it is exclusive in the sense of they are saying they're saying who isn't welcome by saying who is welcome. <laughs> yeah. It's a sort of a, yeah. a more positive spin on the on the phrasing of it, I suppose. So you know the you know so you know we want you know come come over here and we'll have a nice time. Look, just let them have that bit if that's how they want to live. Then let them do that. But know that you, you know, it's sort of a a, a two state system, which is probably not going to work. But but it's a very very appealing thing. But it is a, a sort of a welcoming. I mean, you know, as much as Generation X wouldn't want it, it, it is technically describing a safe space. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> safe as it, can get. You know, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, we're, we're going to and also knowing full well that amongst progressive circles. There'll probably be more infighting than if we were just living as we are now, but we can ignore that for the time because that doesn't fit in with the song. But uh, you know, that's the that's the exciting bit. Yeah, leaving Jesus land. It, I've, I've probably said this before. It's a weird one. It never springs to my mind whenever thinking about my favorite No Effects songs. But when anyone mentions it, I'm like, oh yeah. It, I, d- I don't know why it just never occurs, but it's great. So good. I think it struck a chord with me in the way that it sort of reminds me of those other bands that I I was like, you know, it's got Offspring vibes to it, one hundred percent. And I think yeah. that, um, you know, that that's just kind of I like being able to sort of make that connection with the other stuff. Yeah, yeah no, I I really like this one. Hello everyone, Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punk rock elite, or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. What's the next one, Rad? It is another one of mine. It's Six Years on Dope. Cracker. Another good song. So I wondered if you guys could tell me, so what is the history with, I'm guessing it's just the same as most sort of punks that there was like drug, drugs were a thing within the band. This is a song from the drummer's perspective who was on heroin for six years. Right, okay. I like it. It's, it's got like a heavy, heavier sort of like feel to it. And I think that's, I don't know if Red, that's just because like, are you more drawn to like the sort of like, because I mean, you like heavier stuff like Cancer Bats and, and, and all that kind of like the Bronx and that kind of vibe. Is, yeah, is yeah. This, do, would that say that that's why it's sort of more your vibe? 
Uh, yeah, kind of. I think this re- really resonates with me and a lot of NoFX fans, which I'm I'm, I'm gathering because like this mm. was voted for quite a bit. Yeah. Um, is it's sort of like the most recent absolute banger of no no effects like they've they have released a couple albums recently that haven't been as good as their other stuff but in 2016 they released this and it's the first track off of the album and it it got a lot of people back into no effects like it was a big sort of like oh shit they're making genuinely really great music again um so it's just sort of like a a one that's a little bit more recent it's more fresh in the mind uh, they play it a lot live, and I just think it's you know it's well produced, well written, and it doesn't outstay its welcome. It's like a nice short track. Nice, you've great. Also, you've also got um, Melvin, the guitarist, doing the main vocals, yeah, with uh, Fat Mike singing the chorusy bits and them trading off, and that's always great because Melvin's voice is just brilliant, especially for the more hardcore tinged things. Um, this they is... have like a little oh sorry go no no please. Uh, they have like a little chat about it at the start again, which I, I yeah. like too. And that's, that's <laughs> another, yeah, yeah, it's coming. It's coming back to the whole um, keeping me at work thing. But uh, yeah, it's great. I, I do when I'm listening at home. I love like a little sort of like interlude thing. Yeah. It doesn't quite work for the club, but um, no. things like that really do keep it interesting and just yeah. they make it a bit more raw. And You're I not going to play Intermission by Offspring in a club. That's going to be uh, <laughs> no be for sure. I wonder if what it'd be really like to just do a night that I just play what I want to play for an evening. Um, <laughs> yeah. That would be like, because, you know, let's face it, in a, in a mainstream club, you're never going to get to do that. But um, no. I'm sure they don't love Frank Carter Gallows just on repeat all night. Oh, no. Oh, oh sorry. My uh, my computer froze briefly. Everything's oh, yeah. fine. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I love this one as well. This is the latest song this was released in 2016 everything else is sort of comfortably before that everything else everything else is 90s and this is the most oh no sorry uh wolves is um no i'm talking crap lots of this is 90s but not uh not all of it but yeah this is the latest one and i i absolutely love this one as well it's uh the drug thing with no effects is that yeah the drummer in fact Bob and Sticking in My Eye were recorded while he was still using heroin. Um, As a drummer? Yeah. yeah, Some would just say impressive, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they couldn't work out why he suddenly got the flu when he went on tour in Europe, and it was because he knew where to get heroin in America. Yeah. (laughs) So he'd just be kicking for the first week, and then like, oh, he seems all right, and then he'd get back and be like, brilliant, some delicious heroin, um, and have some of that. But he... um, so then right after the day they finished recording White Trash, he went to rehab and has been pretty much clean ever since. Mike didn't start doing drugs until he was in his late 30s. Uh, okay. Okay. No, no yeah. heroin, mainly cocaine and uh, pills. Right, okay. Um, and then wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. So, um, Which caused some tension because obviously like Smelly's like... Uh, sober now and yeah. would really like you to not do lines of cocaine in front of him <laughs> yeah don't rack him up on the amp turn around <laughs> do them in front of him and then carry on it's like yeah but that's caused some friction and some people believe that that's one of the reasons that they've stopped touring is because they can't mike's sort of out of control in that there's been interventions and stuff um, so mike still likes getting fucked up um he's he goes he through gen- periods doesn't he he cause... generally only does it on tour 
Yeah. Mainly, oh, I ma- think I saw him saying this in one of the interviews is that he only drinks on tour, but when he does, he drinks to like huge excess. Yeah. He, right. He stopped enjoying touring, I think. He was away from family. You know, he sort of he just stopped enjoying it. So the only way he could enjoy it was to take drugs that make you enjoy anything. Um and then he was addicted to like um uh opioids like fentanyl or some some sort of Vicodin or whatever, one of the over the counter types. American to to... ruin your life kind of ones. Yeah, 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 one of those. Um side effects may include just awful, uh, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Um and so he's been to rehab for those, and I don't think he does those anymore, but I think uh, he still likes cocaine and booze. Fair. But yeah, but it, because he didn't start doing it till his 30s, he must have been so annoying to hang out with because all of his friends in other bands have been doing this forever. I'm just like, oh, let's just have a normal time doing some cocaine and drinking this booze. And then someone comes in and goes, hey, guys, have you heard of cocaine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone likes it, Mike. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, Mike. Kind of, it's kind of like the, it's like the appeal of, of it is that no one does it and says this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is what happens. Uh, we, we get it, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, can, yeah. I can imagine. So yeah, so but I mean, he was he was just being enthusiastic, but yeah. So um, but yeah, six years on dope is yeah is about is about smelling, and it's just it's just a cracking bit of business. Uh, yeah, another great, album absolutely. opener as well. This this opens up the album, uh, which is probably why they put the talking in it and stuff. They like a bit of that at the beginning. They seem to have that unlock then with the kind of really strong openers on the yeah. albums. Yeah, this yeah. is that's, something that's we've, so uh, we've noted a lot. Yeah. Very, yeah. In fact, you could probably do a compilation of all of their openers and most of them would be definitely worth, definitely worth it. That's how it should be. That is how it should be. Uh, not not necessarily yeah. happening all the time nowadays, but um, yeah, now these guys have got that unlock. Well, it's you know albums and stuff. It's very different now how they're released. People will sometimes just release songs. You see, you know, you go to a band on Bandcamp, and you're like, shit, these guys have released like twelve albums, and it's all just one song. Mm. <laughs> they just released an album in singles, and you go, oh, I have to click through to all the different things to listen to it and stuff. But it seems to be the way that the people are doing it now. I, I think yeah. that I don't know if that's like TikTok has kind of really changed the landscape of music, and mm-hmm. like even with the punk rock stuff, they're kind of having to, you know, you have to do what you do to get your music out there. But yeah, it seems like the stylists bring out a load of singles nowadays. It really is. Yeah. Mm. So we got two left. Yeah, I feel like we've kind of like we've had the big loud bangers, and now we're kind of like playing out the album with a couple of scar tracks. And first up is All Out at Angst. All Out at Angst. This is the first song we're playing to get people to think about uh, booking an Uber to fuck off from the party because uh, that's what we're doing. So All Out at Angst, Liam, what do you reckon? We're straight in with the horns there. I actually yep. just had a quick uh, re-listen to this one whilst you were um, whilst we were taking a break. Yeah. Um, great. This is Less Than Jake vibes again. So like I know I keep mentioning Less Than Jake, but I fucking love that band. Right? Yeah, um, sure. They're, they're such good vibes live, and I think I've really built a connection to them as a result of that. But yeah, slowing it's slowing down, but it, it's it's just a great scar track, isn't it? That's, that's, that's kind of um, off the Ice Cream album. Yes. So this is kind of like yeah. um, what I just went to my head. This one is the the Neapolitan Ice Cream cover. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good. Again, so this this was kind of um, this is kind of middle ground for me. I would say it's it's not like super. You're not setting the mosh pit alive with this one, as to say, but at the same <laughs> time, it's a it's a good tune. It's as you say, like um, 
it's nice for them to uh, show that they can sort of do something a little different because this this is where we start to get on this list a bit different, isn't it? W- to compared to yeah, everything else, absolutely. you've got these kind of two towards the end here that the sound changes up a bit, it mellows out, it becomes a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Jaunt, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. For the benefit I, of I, listeners at home, Liam was raising his elbows in a jaunty way. Yes, I was uh, doing my little, uh, doing my little skanking kind yeah. of uh, dance there. But yeah, this is this is another good one. This is a great track. It's uh, it's it's a sort of a. I think it's a a, a live favorite as well. I've seen them play this a lot. It's uh, it gets and again, it's it's a bit of a palate cleanser. Because you're not listening to the hardcore stuff all the time, you're not listening to their skate stuff all the time. It's uh, very, very good. Mm. There's, um, well, in fact, there's a, a less than Jake connection in a way, because if you have a look at NoFX's socials over the last few days, they just did Orlando, Florida, I believe, and for this song live, uh, Hefe was joined by Buddy from Less Than Jake. Oh, excellent! Who played trombone uh, alongside Hefe's trumpet. And uh, Karina Danike from the Dancehall Crashers drink, uh, she joins them to sing the main vocals on this live now. And, and she she does with Laurie Myers as well, right? She sings, yeah, she's uh, the she sings the uh, the uh, Kim Shattuck part of Laurie Myers and plays keyboards with them and does other uh, other vocals with it as well. And in fact, uh, I've forgotten his name, but the uh, is it? But but anyway, uh, one of the guys from Goldfinger also plays guitar live with them on this because yeah. uh, although Melvin was playing along this time so maybe he's been practicing so uh, for the uh, for <laughs> making like a super group at this point with, with yeah. all these bands yeah. coming together for this they uh, they wanted their last show their last shows to be uh, properly good so because uh, Melvin and Hefe are not the world's greatest ska guitarists they're like well for that one we'll get someone to join in so oh, right, uh, that. that was like a stacked day, right? So there was a bunch. Was, yeah. Well, Less Than Jake play that day? Yeah, they were main support. Was yep. it? Yeah, who else was... was, was um, so Lagwagon. Lagwagon. Uh, the Mephs Come, opened. Mephs opened. Comeback yeah. Kid and Co-Defendants. Yep. Comeback Kid were on, on that day. That's interesting. So they were another one of the bands. So that's more where I've kind of found myself aligning in general with music. I like hardcore yeah. music, right? It's like yeah. Trash Talk are probably like my favourite band of that that ilk yeah, yeah so, sure. and um obviously comeback kid were a huge inspiration for so many of those bands mm. but for me to go back and listen to even some of their older stuff again last night there's huge comparisons between this and comeback kid yeah which i, I would have from seeing comeback kid live like i i don't listen to them a huge amount but i know that they're obviously an influential band in the hardcore scene they've, they've really earned their place up there i've mm. seen them live a bunch um, and it, it's funny. I would have never, if you would have said to me, "Come back, kid," could you, would you put no? I would never have put no effects alongside. No, them. and and I will be like, I mean, they were the band that we went and got food during because like, it, <laughs> I, I don't think they really fit with the rest of the lineup. I thought there was a lot of variety on that lineup, but like, there's something quite humorless about Comeback Kid, and I, I don't think there should be any humorless bands on a No Effects bill. That's just I feel that like. Because yeah. it's like the crowd dynamic changes, right? Because it's sort of like the hardcore thing is a bit more kind of like, ooh, it's sort of yeah. a bit, you know, kind of, we're hitting each other. Right? And, and some of us are going to like it. Like, but, yeah. but, but not but all of us. All, yeah, no. not all of us are going to. Um, and yeah, I guess that's that's completely different to what the rest of that lineup was sort of built up around. So I see what you mean. It, it is the main 
rub with me against sort of that kind of hardcore because I really so many you know you hear it and you go that is really really good I, I almost prefer it when you can't hear the lyrics sure in in a just lot of too, ways is it just too kind of like bro is that it's like really the best bro it's yeah really it's the bro. bro the bro thing throws me a bit too and like I I went through like a period of really liking sort of beat down hardcore music so it was like the really kind of aggressive the singers were going to the gym and sort of like posting oh god dropping it in, <laughs> posting themselves kind of like you know doing workouts and things and i was like i'm not gonna align myself with this. <laughs> yeah. i am not vibing with this at all <laughs> so that was like kind of a short-lived period but no the bro thing the bro thing isn't for me either it, it's weird because i really love sick of it all yeah. yeah, and 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 you could easily see how they would fit in it, but I think there's a little more going on in that they're mainly excited about the concept of New York. And yeah, and they all they all are them. They yeah, love yeah, New they York. Are. <laughs> they but, love it. But uh, but sick of it all, sort of very very focused on it, and it's sort of it, there seems to be a little more cerebral activity going on about it. Um, mm. and sometimes it's you know songs about you know problems plaguing new york or, or you know, new yorkers not being treated right by certain th- and stuff like that there's just a bit more going on than um it's that it's that thing of you know there's there's the meme about you know hardcore singers uh 90 of their time is spent shouting out the other bands on the bill who are their bros and they've never been bro with them with any of these bros and then like 10 percent actually playing some fucking songs and are you are you familiar with the song uh, Vendetta by Irate? I'm not. No. It's so it is like a hardcore diss track. Um, <laughs> no, really, it's so well, funny. And when you hear this song, which is kind of you know, it's it's the bro like, oh, I'm gonna fuck you up, smash your face in, and then it's like, why why did this? What is the beef? What is this beef here? This must be some sort of like really deep. Um, you know, personal thing. It was that another band uh, who are not even in the same genre had the same name as them. So they, they, <laughs> and it is, it's really funny. It's got like this whole speaking bit at the start that's like, you know, we're gonna, sh- we're gonna settle up in the system and I'll see you in the streets and all this shit and very like New York, like, Ugh. and it, oh, wow. it's literally just because another band that were kind of like a metal band somewhere in another country stole their name. I, I've I've just seen uh, songmeanings.com, Vendetta lyrics. This is just on the Google page. I've not even clicked in. Irate NYC wrote this song as a direct message to the Cali Mall Metal Band. <laughs> even better. Even irate. Metal, but there's as irate as if it's an acronym. So they've got like full stops in between each letter. So, <laughs> so they claim that uh, they stole the New York irate name and copyrighted it. I actually think they, they say something in that song, like we, we staked our flag years ago and uh, laid this claim. <laughs> it's actually a great song. It's really, it's so really silly, though. but yeah. you like heavy hardcore. It's for you. It's for me. It's for I'll, you for I'll sure. definitely listen to it. Cause I can't <laughs> not now, but being upset about some mall metal band. Ugh. Oh, it's so lame, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's, it's, uh... There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing harder than getting upset with a band you think are pussies. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Like, if they're not on your level, why are you even bothered, mate? It's anyway. It's, it's uh... like a meme that song now. Uh, so, yeah, like, it really is like a hardcore meme song. But uh, yeah, no, <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I don't know if you remember uh, back in the long ago before Guns N' Roses released the Chinese Democracy. 
Offsprings announced their new album is going to be called Chinese Democracy. Brackets, you snooze, you lose. <laughs> no, that's excellent. That's so funny. And the, it's brilliant, right? And they got slapped with a cease and desist quicker <sighs> than you could fucking blink. They were just like... That's so funny, though. And they're like, we can't afford lawyers to fight this against their lawyers. So they just went, all right, fine. Whatever. <laughs> that's happening right now. There's like um, there's like quite a popular band, Easy Life, right? It's very, very oh, yes. Far removed from this kind of... Um, this kind of genre, but they are yeah. a great band. Yeah. And they're being sued by Easy Easy Jet for, have, for calling their band Easy Life. Yeah. Even though it's so it's now sort of like, you know, the timelines have kind of been posted. Mm. Easy Easy Jet have some sort of like, you know, club system or like, you know what it's like, you get your air miles and all that bollocks. You get oh, to go to right. a fancy lounge. And I think that's called air that's called Easy Life. Right. And that got brought in after Easy Life, the band already existing for six years. So Easy Life were first. Wow. Where Easy Life Easy Life sort of poked the bear a bit, I guess. Yeah. They made a t-shirt that was branded around the Easy Life branding. Oh, the, yeah. the orange stuff. The orange, the yeah, 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 yeah. So they, they found out about it from that and they're now they're now suing them and saying they have to change their name. And sort of like Easy Life I think it's fair to them is that they've they've built this name up, they've built this brand yeah. as a band, and they've done amazingly well with their branding too. And like they can't afford to go up against EasyJet. No. So it's, I think it's now getting to the point that crowdfunding is happening. It's going to be an interesting story to follow. Yeah. It's like, why are they even, but why are they even doing that? Like what, what's hard? Because what, there's no benefit. Is there? Good. It's not like this is a righteous thing. No one's going to be going, oh, I hope EasyJet win. No, not, not one <laughs> single person is exactly. going to be thinking <laughs> that, right? You'd be a monster. Although to be fair, Easy Life, um, it is only two pounds to watch them, but you have to pay eight pound fifty if you want them to play any music. <laughs> nah, that's it. Very good. There we go. I could have put Radio Four, but they didn't want me anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they didn't want me. I didn't ask. So, um, yeah, all out of angst. Um, I figured that we did need a sort of much more scar focused bit of no effects here because it is a big part of their sound. Yeah, you know, they've been described as scar punk in the past, even though they don't necessarily agree with that. But there, what I like about No Effects, and to be fair, it is for the longest time I was very much in agreement with uh, Fat Mike in that he said, you know, Fat Mike said, I don't really like Scar unless it's being played by punk bands. He's like, I, I, it's it's not it's not something I'm that interested in. He's like, I don't. He's like, I've I've got you know reggae and Scar records by Jamaican artists and stuff, and I like. I like maybe like two songs per album, but you know, it was Operation Ivy that were where No Effects got the the Scar Punk kit from. So mm. figured that we just needed some of that. And then we're gonna go right against that, uh, for the final song, which is uh on So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes as well. Um, which is Eat the Meek, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I'm now looking back and having just a, a little re-listening to, thinking I may have potentially ranked low, but it, it's good and it it sort of um, it feels a little bit to me out of this playlist. This is where this band are like we can do something a bit more, uh, you know, with a bit more su- substance to it. I guess it, mm-hmm. it's kind of like this has got this kind of more calm, nicer sound to it, and you know, we is is this the last is this the last on an album? This. I don't think it's the last. It's not the last, but it's quite far, far along the end. I think there's only a couple of songs after it. It's certainly. I I always associate it with um, 
sort of coming towards the last chunk of the album. Oh, they, yeah, there's they, like there's... they definitely play it like they always play it like three quarters of the way through their set. Yeah, it's like a before it... encore song or, or something like that. Like you yeah. know, it's like kind of slowing down. And yeah. but I really like this one. This is it, this it, is, it is exactly three quarters of the way through. So long and thanks for all the shoes. It's track yeah. number twelve of sixteen. So there's four songs after it. Something a bit different, and it was almost like a palate cleanser. Uh, yes, absolutely. This list of, uh, a list of songs, but yeah, no, another one that was really good. That, so is that album all kind of very scar led? The um, the ice cream album. There's that, that's where you find the most concentration, the highest concentration of scar on an NoFX album. I think it's mm-hmm. it's a very um, it has a very different production to the rest of the albums in that it's uh, the guitars are relatively clean. And it's very like trebly. There's not much like bass in the mix. It's clean's uh, a great word to, to describe yeah. the last two, I guess. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, that clean sound really. Does, yeah, the, there through. is very, very fast punk rock. I think it's also up there with their fastest albums when yeah. they're being fast. So, like uh, the the opening track, uh, "It's My Job to Keep Punk Rock Elite," which is where we took the name for the uh, podcast. I like that. That's super fast. Um, yeah, and uh, and they probably should have been on here to be fair. Oh, there's so it, many that should. I know, been I know. We, every time we mention a song that isn't on this list, we're like, oh, how did we forget? We didn't forget it. We just had to leave something <laughs> it's off. Only so. ten. We can only do ten. Exactly. Well, yeah. yeah. So we'll. Um, it'll be interesting if we can find more people uh, in precisely your situation. We'll give them different songs and say, oh, is that science though? We'd have to give them the. Doesn't matter. We'll think about that other time. But yeah, so eat the meek. Great way yeah, to end that one. playlist off for sure. Yeah. yeah, this yeah. one uh, with El Jefe taking the lead vocals uh, on this one as well. So, um, oh, that is—I think that's possibly why we gave you. I—I th- I thought it was important to have something one of the more outlandier, uh, outliery songs. But also, it means you've got Jefe singing on it. You've got um, Melvin singing on Six Years on Dope. Just wanted to give you the sort of the three main voices of the the singers in No Effects as well. So. So there we have it. So like you say, you say that you, you broadly speaking, enjoyed the whole thing. Yes. Yeah, very much so. I think that this is a band which I will now revisit. And I think that it's quite exciting to, it's not often that somebody gives you 10 songs and they say, this is a kind of, this is like a smorgasbord of everything that they've got going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you can now go and try the other courses or whatever. And, and that's exactly what I will go and do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah, I think they're the a great band. Approach. The small plates approach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that they, 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 it's one of those bands that I would say that they don't take themselves too seriously. But I'm wondering if there's certain members that possibly do take themselves very seriously under the guise of not. But um, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, think, yeah. I, I think they take. <coughs> I, I think they take what they do seriously. I think they take how they do it very unseriously. That mm-hmm. may be. There's a really good the uh, the opening track to Wolves, uh, which is I know like the album that you seem to have like enjoyed the most of off of this 100%. playlist. The opening track's called Sixty Percent, and it's like it's a really slow song, but it's kind of them putting out like how they feel about performing and the the art they make, which is basically to only put in sixty percent of the effort. But <laughs> We on the podcast think that that's a load of bullshit, and they do actually try really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's the punk thing, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's about their live performances yes. at that time more so than their studio work. 
Because um, we, we've both seen them do like bad gigs. Like we've both seen them not not be very good. <laughs> uh, which is one of the like the famous things about No Effects is like you can go and see them have a bad show, which I think is quite exciting. <laughs> it, yeah. it kind of is in a way, right? and, and I think yeah. what what you said before. So I don't know many bands that do this. Different set list every time. It seems is it that yeah, they so, really do vary it up that much, or yeah, they do vary up it up until lot. up until this last because they're doing like full albums on this last tour. Mm. They're doing sort of two full albums and then a few other songs sprinkled in. It means that um, before this, yeah, they would have a different set list. Mike used to keep the set lists from when they were last in that town, so they wouldn't do the same songs as last time. Not including mm. things like the linoleum that they're always going to play. They're always mm. going to probably play Bob. They're always going to do certain songs that they're always going to do. But then they're like, oh, we haven't played this song here for seven years, so we better do it again. And so that. and so they, they write a new set list each night. There's going to be some must-haves in there, but then they're also going to do, you know, pick other stuff. So, And much, much like, to our annoyance, they do play a lot of shit songs like... <laughs> They do play some songs which you're not, yeah, which I'm not bothered about. But you know, um, but other people can't win them all. Other people no. they were excited about them, so you know you can't say they were wrong to play them. It's um, I, I don't think anybody's excited to hear "Creeping Out Sarah." Oh well, yeah, all right, no, uh, which is a song about him just being a bit weird to a Sarah from Tegan and Sarah. Okay, although he can't take a name at them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> let's do really this on, on that album. That, that's on the CD version. On the uh, vinyl version, there's an alternate lyric which is creeping out Tegan, which is he, about... he genuinely doesn't know which one he spoke to. <laughs> was was there a, was there a, uh, God? They seem to have a controversy with everybody. Um, they, <laughs> was there was there a thing there? That I think yeah, that he was. he like asked them where he could buy like coke backstage, and they just seemed very taken aback. And he wrote. Well, a whole he, song he, also, about he it. also started asking him personal questions about uh, about oh, yeah. what it was like being lesbian sisters, and I'm sure you can imagine the uh, the tone that that shifted to. <laughs> I can um, imagine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the song is written out to make him look like an absolute dickhead. Yeah, and, and it really does work. But equally, yeah. Please don't play it live twice. Which yeah, I've seen it twice. That what like, like why? Yeah. It's it's also it's catchy and bad, which is uh, a really yeah. incredible blend. It's, it sticks in your head, but it's horrible. Um, yeah, I have seen. Uh, I think I saw a video of them being interviewed, being spoken about it, and they're like, "It is a bit a shame. It's a bit of a shame and creepy and weird because we listened to Punk and Droblick loads when we were younger, um, and then um, and then Tegan said." Uh, Although it is true that I am the cooler one, so as as is pointed out in the lyrics, so they didn't. See, they seemed like it was unpleasant, but they didn't seem devastated by it. Maybe, but it's still it's still horrible. There's no two ways around it. But um, which one's that on? Is that on Coaster? Yeah, Coaster. Oh yeah, a blip on your favorite album. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, nothing's perfect, I guess. Um, well. I suppose we're now ready for the uh, the final countdown. As, uh, oh, as yeah. decided, yeah, no, this is exciting. I'm, From I'm, ten, I'm, please. Yeah, yeah. From absolutely. ten. So, so least favorite to favorite, please. Okay, so least favorite uh, was Lowy Mayers. Um, sure. Sorry for who I may have upset with that one. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, it's only num- me. I'm sure <laughs> the audience nine. enjoy it when I get upset, so that's fine. <laughs> we can. Do uh, number nine yeah. was Bob. 
Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I, again, like it, it, as much as it gave me that old school blink feeling, um, again, wasn't kind of just wasn't vibing with it in the way that I was some of the others. Um, you just don't like songs about with people in the title. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's get, it. Get, there, uh, get rid of them first. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, moving on to the, the sort of like... Uh, so Sticking in My Eye was number eight. All right. On that sure. list. I then went for Linoleum for number seven. Uh-huh. Wow. So a lot of the older ones towards the bottom. Yeah I, yeah, I think it is just that, like, I don't know if it's just because I'm slightly younger and it's mm-hmm. more towards that kind of um, sound that I grew up on. Yeah. I think we, it's we, as, as they... As they progress, they move more towards that, and and therefore, that's why I was. Um... We've literally got rid of the four songs from ninety two and ninety four. <laughs> so I mean, I wasn't born for the ninety two ones. I guess is, is sure. So six was eat the meek. Um, uh-huh. I really like that. I think it had a bit more something to it, and I think for it to come at the end of that playlist, it was. I was like, oh, okay, they 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 can do a bit of this too, which I was um, fully on board with. Mm-hmm. At number five, all out of ang- all out of angst. Yeah, yeah sure. At number five, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've got we've we've completely got rid of the nineties now entirely. I'm just looking through <laughs> the the. So okay, so we got that's brilliant. I'm not even too sure what generation I sort of fall under, but maybe it's this kind of that thing. Maybe yeah, no, yeah. no, no. I'm 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 literally looking at this because I wrote down the albums that they're from next to uh, the list of songs, just to see if we had a, a reasonable range. And we probably mm. don't, but it's just interesting that um, we're sort of you're sort of getting rid of these, and and the the closer we get to the top, the more contemporary the songs. So I just think that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's definitely the vibe that I'm because because my number four was separation, church and state, the skate. Sure. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Right? that is a really really great tune. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that was great. certainly one of my favourites, and you know. It, it it kind of encapsulates that kind of skate punk sound for me. Yeah, and I think mm. that was yeah that was a, that was a great song. I like the start. I think it says you know, so like you want to go to the punk rock show, which is something a bit different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I really liked it. So yeah, that was my number four. Um, then number three was seeing double at Triple Rock. So uh-huh. if I could have really. It was the I like these two these two as much as each other, so mm-hmm. that would lead me to my number two, yep. which is six years on dope. Sure, uh-huh. right? They're both really strong tracks, and I think that those these the the top three are the ones that I personally will, will be adding to my playlist. Yeah, so yeah, so that leaves number one and my favorite by and and by quite a bit as well. I really really like mm. this track, uh, leaving Jesus Land. Nice. My number one track for somebody that had never heard them before. So yeah, that's my that was my order, and I feel like it might be. It might. Some people may not agree, and I think that over time, people definitely won't agree. But (laughs) please do Uh, not let that stop you. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to. Maybe I'll help help with your engagement rates then for people just. (laughs) But yeah. um... Like I think I've had a bit of a, an advantage here because obviously, like uh, I know Liam quite well. I know like his music taste and stuff. Yes. So the ones that I have chosen, I have picked ones which I, I think he would dig. Um, right. There's just something about leaving Jesus Land and mm-hmm. Six Years on Dope that I thought would would click with his taste. So I'm, I'm dead happy. Well, yeah. that's good. Be- Nailed it. Because I like I like the fact that I could then just sort of choose something that I felt was helped represent No Effects in all of their aspects without yeah. having 
a knowledge of Liam's tastes to sort of have that color what I chose. So that's, that's yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like I like the fact that we've done both of those things. That's uh, that's exciting. Wow, that was. Um, yeah, I'm really, really pleased. I couldn't be happier with the way this has gone. I've got to say, the uh, the as far as an experiment went, uh, I mean, obviously, it would have been brilliant if you'd have loathed all of it and given us loads and loads <laughs> of great clips this, to go this, out. But this band, this band is shit. Um, yeah. Their views are terrible. Yeah. No, I, no, <laughs> I'm not say... rock survived. <laughs> yeah. Fast this. No, I, I can see why this band have this following that they do. Hmm. You know, yeah. I can see that their lyrics will resonate with people. They're sort of messaging of kind of not giving a fuck will resonate with people and um yeah good band who i will now be adding to my roster of bands that i listen to so yeah amazing nice. it's been beneficial for me too i always like to discover it's funny because it's not really new is it it's like yeah yeah just discovering <laughs> some new stuff which is almost twice my age but, but yeah. then, you know, it's it's you know whatever's new to <coughs> you is new, isn't it? You know, that's just that's just how it goes. It's mm. you know there are there are bands who you know I, I mean I always think it's weird when um, it's not a, a music related thing, but a mate of mine, uh, Chris, he worked in a cinema for a very long time. He's a big movie guy, loves film. You know, Chris Lum, don't you, Red? You know, um, oh, yeah. big big uh, movie guy, loves it all. And he worked with a guy who just loved action films, 80s action movies, you know, all that stuff. And this is a guy who'd never seen Lethal Weapon and was like, I don't see why. He's like, no, oh, no, I just never fancied it. I'm like, what? You like 80s action films? Do you like Die Hard? I'm like, yeah, I love Die Hard, me. I'm like, well, it's not a million miles away. What? So, yeah. Sometimes it just happens it sometimes. sometimes. Yeah, yeah sometimes. It's, it's crazy. It's really weird, but anyway. Liam Walton, thank you so much. Do you want to uh, let us know when, where, how people can find you? Yes, so you can follow me on Instagram, which is LTWalto, L-T-W-A-L-T-O, which is where I post the majority of the stuff that I'm getting up to. Recently started making some content focused around alternative music and mostly metal and pop punk and the stuff that I'm used to, but gradually as time goes along, planning to sort of cover more genres because really I kind of like it all. There's, there's there's very very few things I don't like. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been great to chat music and especially something that I'm not super familiar with, um, mm-hmm. which is is great. It sounds like you're going to be more familiar with them imminently. Absolutely. But yeah, I uh, I think yeah, check out Wolves and Wolves Clothing as a as a record. I'm sure you'll uh, you'll find more stuff on there that you uh, you're excited by. Thank you so much, Liam. You truly are one of the punk rock elite. And we will see, we're saying goodbye to Liam now, and we'll see the rest of you on the outro. What an ungrateful little boy. (laughs) Laurie Myers at number 10. (laughs) Yeah, but both of mine two were his top two. Yeah, I I know. I can't complain. I'm, 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 I have too many years distance. You're slightly closer in age and therefore the generational urge to be <laughs> utterly incorrect. I've, I've had a big advantage though. I know Liam, I know his music tastes and I did kind of tailor my suggestions to what I thought he might enjoy. To be honest, I, even if I did know that I'm sort of, I don't know whether meeting people halfway is, is the right way to go about it or if that, I don't know, but oh, you, uh, you would have chosen Laurie Myers, no matter what I would have done. Yeah, absolutely. Of course I would. <laughs> um, because, because it's glorious, but, um, <laughs> yes.
I did. I mean, I don't know if you could hear that. I was surprised that it made it all the way down to last place because because <laughs> he spoke quite highly of it. Apart did, from yeah. uh, apart from the the slanderous accusations of uh, Kim Shattuck's voice, but you, um, you, yeah, you, you thought like white trash would have. I thought lower. the two white trash songs were coming, and I yeah. thought, well, it's going to be number eight or seven, something like that. But, um, but there you go. I th- it might have been the uh, might have been the production uh, that uh, did it for the white trash ones, just because <laughs> they're, they're, they are notably rawer and I know I, I apparently he likes hardcore and stuff as well. But even mm-hmm. that is sort of recorded a bit more cleanly. Yeah, there's a lot of um, production elements, I think, to more modern punk rock. Hmm. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think, well, let's put it this way. I think um, (laughs) someone who, was it Jerry Finn, maybe, who or someone like that did um, Crimson by Alkaline Trio, did the production on that. Oh, yeah. And they took a photograph of the amp settings and sent them to another producer who was asking about it. And that guitar tone ended up on a Kelly Clarkson record. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And so you can take, so with more modern punk rock, you can take. Oh my God, that makes so much sense. And slap it onto a Kelly Clarkson track and it, and it, and it fits grand. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to, it was a, an interview it with Matt Skiba. Yeah. If you listen to the song Skeletons, right, and then listen to like Since You've Been Gone, be like, oh yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. Although I, mean, I don't think Skeletons was on Crimson. I, I don't think it after. was like Mercy Me and... Um, yeah, that was Agony and Irony, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. But uh, I mean, I, I could have been, I could be thinking of the wrong album to be fair, but um, Alkaline Tree have never been sort of super heavy with no. their production so the the guitars always sound pretty uh pretty good um in in a sort of they're not high gain they, yeah. they sound great but um so yeah so production does make a difference and the sort of pop and punk rock or sort of pop punk i suppose the production things have been heading towards one another as a rate of not to go oh let's have a slightly edgier pop music oh let's have slightly more accessible punk music and uh, they will meet in the middle Mm. Um, and then you get the internet's favourite joke. Avril Lavigne invented punk in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose as long as there are boomers getting upset about it, uh, or Gen Xers getting mm-hmm. upset about it, they'll continue to make the joke. So Absolutely. Well, millennials roll their eyes and go, come on, guys. <laughs> you get a new one? Maybe not. Anyway, I'm just salty at the young people today because uh, Laurie Myers is a fucking back. Right. Okay. Well, it's done now. The, the episode's <laughs> over. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna have to try and live with it. <laughs> cool. Um, oh, we've got a little bit of uh, correspondent. <laughs> um, uh, Greg uh, Haladijan. Oh, can I just check something? Oh, you can check my um, my little audio thing at the bottom is showing like no activity and i oh, just yeah. wanted to double activity is coming across on mine no worries that is, i'm getting that's, that's fine. i'm getting the um getting the shapes cool so yes um halagian so greg halagian uh, has been uh 
who signed it Greg from Jersey. So I might just call you that. Thank you, Greg. Um, <laughs> so loving the podcast. It, Greg's written in before, and we're always uh, delighted to hear hear from them. So uh, uh, you said, <laughs> I fear that one of my jokes might have been taken a bit too seriously, not for the first time. Um, uh, loving the podcast, been sending info to friends of punk rock uh, about your podcast. One, thank you ever so much, Greg. Thank That's you. That's a very, very kind thing to do. You said the Rancid podcast was not popular or not successful. I forget the term you used, uh, but how many downloads or listeners do you have? Um, I'm not going to go into precisely how many people uh, download our uh, or listen to our show um because uh i believe that's called showing your whole ass on the internet and <laughs> uh, i don't intend on doing that again it, but... it's a, a reasonable audience slightly bigger than we had we had thought would be possible with a podcast about no effects <laughs> absolutely yeah uh, as far as we're concerned like a stunning number of people so uh <laughs> we're we're delighted either way to be fair um no the i think i said something to the i think um uh, I felt a bit Marty McFly about the rancid episode. I was mm. like, "Well, maybe you weren't ready for that, but your kids are going to love it." <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it just it it didn't get it didn't get the same. Uh, I mean, the thing is, is that we're dealing with fairly low numbers as far as like huge podcasts go. So a small dip is actually quite a large percentage. <laughs> in sure. uh, you know so so relatively it was a bit disappointing because i was i was looking forward to a sort of the, the idea that we can expand out a little bit um but plenty of people listen to it comparatively so uh i was being a little salty for a comic effect and it might have come across as genuine bitterness um for that i apologize <laughs> if anyone thought i was genuinely being upset because and it's the same with comedy as well sometimes you'll do a gig and you know the room will be a quarter full mm-hmm. and some comedians get angry at the people who are in the room <laughs> for for not being more than one person each and it's really <laughs> not the way to go so having a go at the people who are listening or who are present at your events is not the way to get them to come back. So I apologize yeah. if I, uh, if I did sound like I was, um, I was being, uh, being ungrateful because I certainly <laughs> didn't intend to be that. So sorry about that. Um, we also have a different one that doesn't involve telling me off. Uh, no, no one was telling me off. Um, we have, uh, Matt Lane. Hi, Matt. Um, very much uh, enjoying the podcast. Still very much enjoying the podcast. Uh, Matt has uh, written in before. Um, uh, wanted to chime in after hearing us both utterly bemused as to the point of the song Instant Crassic from <laughs> Wolves in Wolves Clothing. Yeah. Um, uh, Matt then goes on to explain uh, uh, their their perspective on it. Um, we did hear Matt. Uh, Matt was worried that we didn't hear the little uh, outro bit when it's fading out, uh, which is about living in Bakersfield, which I understand is an undesirable area of California, mm-hmm. um, and being at a month-long hip-hop festival, and how that's similar to being uh, swimming in a pool of puke and all of that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, I did get that. I just wondered why... Mike decided to put that one on in the middle of Wolves and Wolves clothing. That's all. Um, it's just, just uh, it doesn't feel like a full song. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But then again, I suppose, you know, it is from the album, which famously has quite short songs. It just yeah. doesn't seem to have like 
even though the other songs on the album are short, they still seem to have a beginning, middle, and end. But that one. But you get the full arc of of story. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, thank you, Matt. I do appreciate you taking. Uh, it, it was it was quite a lengthy email, which is why I'm not going to read all of it out. Um, also said uh, he did he did specify that he said uh, I was a very uh, an immature thirteen year old when I first heard the song. Well, that will color your uh engagement with it so maybe it was that because i i heard that song first when i was in my 20s so i'm not saying that i was mature for my age because i absolutely wasn't but i was uh, a little little over that kind of thing but there you go (laughs) i think it's because everything else on it is so strong it just uh sort of stuck out as being a, a bit of an afterthought and i've and... always been curious by the no effect songs that just bleed into the next song on the album yeah because it kind of does that a little bit um similar to like what are the one the a couple do it on punk and Drublick as well and i've always just been a bit curious about those like oh why have you chosen to do it quite like that why couldn't Let's... they just be a big song like the quas and dying degree yes, yes. cuz i do treat that as one song yeah fair um, also, Matt wanted to point out that uh, he likes cruel and unusual punishment. Cool and unusual punishment, I think. I don't called. dislike it. Neither um, do I. Um, I just think it's one of the weaker ones on the album. Uh, yeah. I found the out-of-tune guitar solo to be quite endearing. I agree. <laughs> so. It's something that my uh, my uh, uh, my girlfriend fucking hates. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Specifically that bit. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, I can see why someone would. It... it, it it do, there is a dissonance to it that does cause the eyebrow to raise a little bit, but you get used to it eventually. <laughs> it's like um, like uh, when you get used to shoes that are uncomfortable or something like that. It just sort of eventually just <laughs> that just changes how you walk, um, which isn't the right way to do it. Get comfortable shoes. Uh, so that's been the uh, the um, correspondence. Um, so thank you very much. We'll uh, we'll let you um, think on whether. Liam Walton is correct or not. And we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you ever so much, Red. Oh, sorry. Uh, before we say goodbye, punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you reckoned. Let us know if this was a good experiment. Let us know if you'd have done anything different. I imagine yeah. you would have. Let us know what your top 10 are, because it's, it's tricky. It's real tricky to work out 10 songs to it send is. someone. So if you've got sort of if you have issues with our top ten and you're more than welcome to, just remember a top ten of no effect songs is hard because <laughs> there's several hundred of them to choose from. That is we're not even dealing with a single percent of their output. <laughs> so there you go. Or roughly anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll see you next time. Bye bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a Pick Scraped and Fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.